Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you with us today. I am so thrilled to have with me back one of my favorite guests and always a great conversation. When we look at all of the challenges right now in U.S., so much of it is around the Constitution and the judicial system. And how are we honoring or not those agreements? Because if you think about it in the domain of integrity, honoring our agreements is operating at a high level of engagement, okay, or integrity. And when we have a constitution as our foundation, there is a roadmap for how to operate as a good citizen in the country and how to operate as a good government for the people and by the people. And when they deviate from those things, we have what we have now, which is chaos, really, in the judicial system. And abuse of power, misappropriation of power, the delegation of power to be off the hook or something. So one is not responsible for what one is given their word to in their oath. Makes sense. So when you look at these higher levels of office, they have oaths that they've given their word to. And it's not just to we the people, it's to God himself. If we make a promise, you know, God's watching. So we have to really, I think, step back and take control of this behemoth monster that's gotten out of control, which is government and the leaders who are abusing power or misappropriating it. And that's that's a big, tall order. So I brought in somebody who I thought could maybe help us sort through a few of the key issues that we're dealing with right now. And, you know, we don't have all the answers, but what we can do is pose the questions and get you, me, we in action, holding our government to account. And that means holding the leaders in government to account, whether they're a Democrat or Republican, I could care less. It's irrelevant. What is relevant is are they honoring their word and operating with integrity in a way that we require so that we're not, frankly, being abused, which I think is some of what's going on here. And it's just out of control. So I brought with me today one of my favorite people, Michael Perutka. And I'm going to have Michael on in just a minute. But let's let's keep in mind something as we go to break. I'd like you to think about who are the people you would reach out to at government? If you were holding the government to account, what would you say to them? What are the key issues that are concerning to you? Always feel free to email me at jencharltonshow at gmail.com. That's jencharltonshow at gmail.com. What your concerns are in government today and how we can start to address this because I'm glad to cover it here on the radio. So let's work together to hold these people to account because they cannot be bigger than we the people. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jen and I have with me today Michael Prudka. And Michael was the GOP candidate for uh, attorney general in the state of Maryland in the 2022 cycle. And 
got to know Michael really, really well. He's become a good friend and I admire him so much. So good morning, Michael. Welcome. Jen, thank you very, very much. It's a real pleasure to be with you and I appreciate your hospitality. Yes, indeed. It's always great to be with you. And uh, we share a lot of common interests, not the least of which is the Constitution and government and justice for all, but also you're a musician and you're a God-fearing man. So in my book, it doesn't get to be a better combination. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate the, the God-fearing man. Um, and I appreciate the musician as well, because I always put amateur in front of that because uh, playing music and sometimes playing with other people who are really very talented um, is is a lesson in humility. It really is. It's a music uh, has been a one big part of my life and a great blessing. Yeah, and you're a guitarist, and I love singing with you. We got together one night, and that was just fun. So we'll do more of that. But let's talk, Michael, about the current state of of affairs with regard to the Justice Department. So there's a number of issues. One is we've had whistleblowers coming out from various government agencies, federal agencies, people who work within them, who have said, now I've had enough. They couldn't stomach it anymore and they had to speak up. I mean, to become a whistleblower is extreme act of courage because you're really going against everything that has been your identity, your means of feeding yourself and your family, your your passionate commitment. And you're saying you are so off the rails that I need to now go outside of all of that and stand up against you. I mean, that's very moving to me. And I've had the opportunity to in- interview over the years, the Google whistleblower, the Facebook whistleblower. I've gotten to know them as friends. And now these FBI and IRS whistleblowers who have stood up and said, no, this is not okay. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I guess the first thought is that um, this is a part of the human condition. I mean, uh, those who are in power, and especially those who have gained power by unscrupulous means, are not going to surrender it easily. The, the fallen nature of man, which which is recognized by our founders, by the way, in the development of the Constitution and the, and the, and the Declaration of Independence, et cetera, which lay forth the which lays forth the, the principles upon which their country is based. They understood this about human nature and they understood this about about men. And so um, the republic, the, the, the survival of our republic, of our, of our form of government depends upon men and women who are willing to stand up and defend the Constitution, uh, even in the in the face of of uh, sacrifice and suffering that they will go through for that. There is a cost to that, but it but it must be done. Um, I, I had a um, a mentor, Mr. Howard Phillips, who used to say the Constitution is not a self enforcing document. It's a marvelous document, a wonderful document, but the words are not going to leap off the page, and it's not going to work on its own. The Constitution needs champions. In order for the people to defend the Constitution, they need to understand it. They need to have a working knowledge of it, and they have to be uh, be able to articulate a defense and uh, share it with others and mutually stand up against tyranny, against those who would violate the contract. And you mentioned in your opening, Jen, that, that this is a contract, and it, and it is. The United States Constitution and the Constitution of the various states, including the state of Maryland, is a contract. As a matter of fact, in the very first article of the 
Declaration of Rights, which is the very beginning of the Maryland Constitution, it says this. It says that all government of right originates from the people. In other words, all the power resides in the people. And then it says, the next phrase says, is founded in compact only, meaning in contract only, and instituted to the sole good of the whole. So it's a deal. It's a bargain. It's an arrangement. It's a contract, the, the Constitution is. And, and when you mentioned that the, those who those who have positions of authority, it, who have been elected or appointed to positions of authority in the United States or in, or in, or in any one of the states, they have swear, sworn an oath before God and before the people. But there's the oath they swore is to the Constitution. It's fidelity to the Constitution. It's not. It's not fidelity to some judge or some court or some executive, some president or some governor or some health department official or, or, or whatever. It's their their oath is not to their oath is to the Constitution. So this is the first thing that needs to be understood about this, the structure of American government. So what whistleblowers are, are actually doing is saying there has been a breach of this contract. I'm holding up uh, a copy of the Maryland Constitution. Uh, I could hold up the United States Constitution here as well. But these are these these are the contracts. So, Michael, one of the things about what you just said for me is it's a contract that and the people are in charge. We're in charge. You said in the Bill of Rights that that the power resides with the people. However, for example, in Maryland, the Maryland legislature just agreed to supersede the people to delegate their authority without permission to the World Health Organization so that the World Health Organization will have supreme authority over our health care in the event they deem a condition of pandemic. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's stunning to me. Right. How in the heck did we get here? And what do we do about it? Because to me, it's totally unconstitutional. Sure. How, well, let's let's take those two questions. The first one, the very, very important question is, how did we get here? That's important to, to consider. And how do we get out of here? Is is how do we how do we return? How do we get back? How do we restore a constitutional and uh, and moral uh, basis for our for our law and for our, our government? Uh, so how did, how did we get here um, in the book of Hosea? Uh, the, the prophet says in, in I think it's ch- chapter six verse three the the, the 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 prophet says my people perish for lack of knowledge my people perish for lack of understanding uh about two millennium or three millennium later uh a man named thomas jefferson who's who's his image is over my shoulder here um uh said a similar thing when he when he wrote that if a nation desires to be ignorant and free it desires what never was and never will be so if, if people if people are, are going to be ignorant of of the the basis upon which their government is formed, and actually if they're going to be ignorant of that contract, then they're not they can't expect to be ignorant of that and be free because that contract and the diligent adherence to that contract is what establishes a free society uh, and 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 safeguards those those freedoms. If a people would 
would be desirous of being free. They they can't be stupid. Excuse my French. My mother taught me not to use that word, but um, sometimes stupid just fits, Michael. You 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 can't you can't be ignorant and expect to be free. Article forty four of the Maryland Declaration of Rights, which is as I said, the beginning. It's the beginning of the Maryland Constitution. It's the first section. Um, it's it, with regard to this World Health Organization taking over in cases of emergency, or 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 what we witnessed for the last two and a half, three years, all these emergency uh, procedures. Uh, it says that the provisions of the Constitution of the United States and of this state apply as well in times of war as in times of peace, and any departure therefrom or violation thereof under the plea of necessity, that is emergency, or any other plea, is subversive of good government and tends to anarchy and despotism. In other words, you can't claim an emergency as the reason to violate the contract. The government can't say, well, this is a nice document and we realize we can't violate it, except don't you see we have this emergency? We have this where there's a war going on, there's a financial crisis, there's a virus, whatever. There's a health emergency. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the contract. But they did. They did exactly that. Which is why none of them were worthy of re-election because each one of their, our, our delegates had an affirmative obligation to bring impeachment against the governor for his violation, his massive violations of this document. And they had an affirmative duty to, to follow their oath because this, this is what they took their oath to and enforce this contract. And they didn't do it. We have a whole, we have, we have, however many delegates there are, 135, something like that, in the House of Delegates, all of them, except only only one only one man in that group, actually did his job and filed articles of impeachment, and that was Dan Cox, which is why I supported him for governor, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons. Um, we have a wonderful contract in Maryland that puts limits on our government. In other words, Maryland Constitution and the United States Constitution, they don't govern the people. This document, these documents govern those who govern. The provisions of the Constitution are limits on the power of those in office. They're limits. And when they uh, go beyond those limits, when they violate those limits, they need to be brought to justice. And it takes an informed citizenry and a committed citizenry to do that. You, 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 well, you, I think, in all fairness, I think that the work, frankly, that you've done and many of us have done to educate people. I know that I try to read the Constitution in various segments that are applicable to the work that we're discussing on the show so that people are privy to these important aspects of the Constitution and when and where they apply. So we have done a lot to bring forward education. I think there's a lot of work to do yet on the Maryland Constitution or any state constitution, because most people don't delve into that one like they should. And um, so, you know, absolutely. I want to digress for a second because there's another instance where AI is being used in education now, and Maryland is one of the states that has signed on. And this AI technology actually generated from within China. In other words, it's their technology. And they have incorporated AI technology in education in order to understand brainwaves and thought processes of our children. 
I guess to do predictive analysis and so forth. And I have one thought about that. That is 100% among many other things, 100% an invasion of privacy. Get out of my head. You do not have permission to dwell here. What are your thoughts on that, Michael? Well, I, I, I share your outrage and your, your, your conclusion with respect to that, of course. Um, uh, look, the, the, peop, the, peop, the people who have orchestrated, and it has been orchestrated, I know, I, I'm going I'm to sound like a conspiracy theorist here. Going, they've all come true. All the theories have come true, so it's no, you know. I, I am a conspiracy theorist. Yes, I do believe there are conspiracies, and I do have theories about them. As, and by the way, they've occurred. Some of what, what we've been predicting has absolutely happened. I hope that you don't fall for the trap because this is a trap. They they call you a name. They call you a conspiracy theorist or a or an election denier or a climate denier or some other silly thing that doesn't make any sense. But they label you as something and, and they're, they're, thereby can kind of pigeonhole you into a marginal category where they don't have to deal, deal with the truth of what you're saying. Um, but yes, there are conspiracies, and, and yet, and yes, um, I have theories that have I have comments and thoughts about them, and I express them. Um, but I believe that the people who have who have orchestrated uh, the decline of, of of American independence and and the the, the, the decline of our uh, our economy and our and our culture have they're very sophisticated people. They they've studied this for for decades and ages, and they and they know how. To manipulate opinion, and and they know how to take the opinions of that might might represent a half a percent or one percent or two percent of the entire populace, and make us think, make us think that that's the opinion of ninety seven percent of the populace. Um, they're they're very sophisticated at this, and this and 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 as technology increases, so do the weapons that they can use against us, which all the more reason all the more reason why we have to understand not only what our constitution say, because the, there's nothing wrong with these documents, but we also have to understand the principles that, that under underlie them. And these are at the heart. These are, these are religious principles. Uh, uh, John Adams said that this constitution was intended for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. In other words, these documents and, and, and this form of government that we live under presupposes, it presumes that the people are moral. That is, and to presume the people are moral means it presumes that the people understand biblical principles. They understand the Ten Commandments and they're committed to live by them. See, so you, you can't you can't use you can't use this document. It's not going to, what he's saying is it's not gonna work among people who are immoral or dishonest. Those people have to be removed, and that's why. That's why supporting whistleblowers, those who who are speaking the truth, these people need to be defended. People people who uh, are suffering because of, of, of their January sixth, whatever the the accusations that are brought against them. People who are suffering from lack of due process ever since ever since that date. These are people which which need support. People who who stand for well, let me, and let me say something about that. Everybody, you can support the J6 prisoners and their families by going to patriotfreedomproject.org. That's patriotfreedomproject.org. Please support them. They have been 
beyond ostracized. And that's what I kind of heard out of what you said, Michael. Part of the strategy of Marxists is to discredit, ostracize, paint in a negative light. That's right. Right. What did they call us? They called us conspiracy theorists. Well, how nasty, like we're crazy. You know, the idea is if you're a conspiracy theorist, that equals crazy. That's right. what they're trying to that's, characterize that's- us. Here's the thing is, what's crazy is thinking we don't know what you're doing when you're being immoral and dishonest. Right. That's what's crazy. So we have had a huge pushback. I want to take a quick break. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Michael Perutka, a constitutional attorney and founder of Institute of the Constitution, where you can learn the nitty gritty details of your constitution and how to defend it and implement it in your life, in your community, and in your nation. It's so important that we have the tools and the resources and the know-how to fight back against the tyranny that we are now oppressed under. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, I want to play one more quick segment by Representative Jim Jordan, who is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. So what they've done is they've got the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, Representative Jason Smith, with the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Representative Jim Jordan, coming together on this, this hearing. And invariably, again, anytime a Democrat speaks, they pivot to Trump and how rotten he is. Okay, that's their punchback. Okay, always. They cannot defend Biden. Biden. They cannot defend Hunter. And they apparently cannot convict him. I mean, when is Hunter Biden above Congress? I mean, this is stunning what's going on here. Okay, listen to Jordan. Uh, I thank the gentleman for yielding. The question is who are you going to believe? April 26th, in front of the United States Senate, the Attorney General said David Weiss is in charge of the investigation. October 7th, in a meeting with Gary Shapley, one of the whistleblowers, David Weiss said, I'm not the deciding official. Who are you going to believe? On February 28th, I wrote the Attorney General asking him why there's no special counsel in the Hunter Biden investigation. He didn't respond, which is unusual in and of itself. They always respond to the Judiciary Committee when we write something to them. I wrote again on May 25th. Again, the Attorney General didn't respond but David Weiss did. And here's what he said, June 7th. He said this, I have been granted ultimate authority over the matter, including responsibility for deciding where, when, and whether to file charges. That's what the U.S. Attorney said on June 7th. Three weeks later, Mr. Weiss wrote me again. And he said this, I stand by what I wrote, but I wish to expand. Wow, already changing his story, 23 days later. And he said this, my charging authority is geographically limited to my home district. Well, wait a minute. You just told me 23 days before you have ultimate authority. Now you change it. Then again, on July 10th, Mr. Weiss wrote Senator Graham, and he said this, paragraph two, to clarify, I have not requested special counsel designation. Rather, I had discussions with departmental officials. Mr. Weiss can't get his story straight. Three different stories in a five-week time frame. On June 7th, he's, he's Tarzan. He's super. I, I got ultimate authority. I can do what I want. File charges where I want, when I want, and how I want. June 30th, well, actually, no, I can't. And then, of course, on July 10th, 
He says, to clarify, I haven't requested special counsel status, but I've been talking to the folks at Maine Justice. Three different positions in a little over a month. Okay, so he's talking to folks at, quote, Maine Justice. All of a sudden, his story changes. All of a sudden, the pressure comes down. All of a sudden, the Department of Justice at the higher ranks says, you shall do X, and he complied. Because he's a puppet. He's not a man who honors an oath. David Weiss was appointed by Trump. So what? So were a lot of schmucks. It doesn't matter that David Weiss was a Trump appointee. Their fidelity to the law and integrity is supposed to rise above any party affiliation. And yet every Democrat in here talks about, well, the Trump appointee David Weiss said, who cares? The guy has no integrity. I don't care who he was appointed by. I'm going to get off my high horse. Chris, you have a thought? At this juncture, I have to keep reading on. Kind of leaves you speechless, doesn't it? it I'm just it does. saying. It truly does. <laughs> it's stunning what we're dealing with. Okay, now we're going to go to the first whistleblower, Joseph Ziegler, IRS special agent extraordinaire, International Tax and Financial Crimes Division. You think this applies? I think so. Here you go. Thank you, Chairman Comer, Chairman Smith, Chairman Jordan, Ranking Member Raskin, and members of the committee. Today, I, I, I sit here before you not as a hero or, or a victim, but as a whistleblower compelled to disclose the truth. That said, in coming forward, I believe I'm risking my career, my reputation, and my casework outside of the investigation we are here to discuss. I ultimately made the decision to come forward after what I believe were multiple attempts at blowing the whistle in the Internal Revenue Service, at the Internal Revenue Service. No one should be above the law, regardless of your political affiliation. I humbly view my role here today as providing the facts as I best understood them and to let Congress and the administration and the public consider those facts and determine the best path forward. I recognize why I was present at the start of this investigation and was closely involved with the investigation for roughly five years. I'm just a part of the story. Others, including my colleague and supervisor Gary Shapley, who is here with me today, have their own views and understandings of what took place during this investigation. I've been an agent with the IRS since 2010. In 2007, I received my undergraduate degree from Ohio University, my MBA from John Carroll University. He also declares himself as a gay Democrat. And then people have come after him saying, well, you are you're a traitor to your party or a traitor. I think they just call him traitor and, you know, because he came out against the Democrats and he's a gay Democrat. This is my point that we talked about with with uh, Bernie Flowers. We're all the same. There's no difference. Here's the difference. America first, not America first. Integrity, no integrity. Those are the differences that we need to be concerned with. Who cares about the other stuff? He goes into seven specific things. I'm trying to give you kind of an overview of some of this stuff. Let's see if I can get you a little closer. Here we go. I had to pay out of pocket for all my travel-related expenses and being a whistleblower. On that note, I would like to make another statement that I have not accepted a single payment from anyone for being a whistleblower. First, 
Well, so, Mr. Chairman, while I have my written statement as well as my testimony before the Ways and Means Committee, I would like to touch on briefly seven specific matters. First, in a recent letter to Congress, Mr. Weiss stated that he had been granted ultimate authority over this matter, but then later stated in the same letter that his charging authority is geographically limited and that he would need a President Biden appointed U.S. attorney to partner with him in charging the case. Mr. Weiss stated that he, is, he was making all decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of the prosecution consistent with federal law, the principles of federal prosecution, and departmental regulations. In the, internal, in the criminal tax manual, Chapter 10, found on the DOJ website, tax division policy states that cases involving indiv individuals who fail to file tax returns or pay a tax, but who also commit acts of evasion or obstruction should be charged as felonies. Okay, so here's the thing. What they said there that's so important, and I think this is what Chris was pointing to about this judge, they undercharged him. According to the code, like there are parameters, there are structures, there are minimum requirements, okay? And then they later will talk about statute of limitations. I don't think we've come to that yet. So some of these statute of limitations ran out because they did what we all know happens in government, slow walked it till a statute of limitations ran out. I think there should be some change in the way that process is so that they stop the action or the progression of a statute of limitations when this is in process. That's the first thing. Second thing, and I know nothing about this, and I don't know if they can do it, but they should. Why should they be able to slow walk something so a statute of limitations runs out? Furthermore, if a statute of limitations has expired, but we discover after the fact that there was fraud present, my question to all you smart attorneys out there is, does that negate that statute of limitations running out? It should. In the presence of fraud, does it eviscerate the statute of limitations? I think it should. So there's some, some cleanup to do in aisle four on the way this process is because they're manipulating the system to get the result they want to help their buddy out. Chris, let's talk a little bit about what you see in Congress, because I just went on the Gallup poll, uh, the uh, ratings, the Gallup, ready for this? As of 7-19-2023, their approval rating is under 20%. Okay, that's not just an F. That's like a, oh my God, get rid of them all. I mean, there's, you know, but, Part of it is what happened to, regardless of party, you honor your oath and you operate with integrity. So go ahead. Human instinct kicks in, at the, I think, at that time with some people, and they start worrying they're going to lose their position or their title. I spoke to a, a donor the other day, and he looked at my, uh, my website, and he says, uh, yeah, it seems pure at this point. He says, but at what point in your career will you start lying and going against your promises. He says, what causes that in Congress? And he told me, he says, with my objection, I mean, my, from my side of it, I'm seeing that it's the money, the power, and the title that corrupts the person. When you go in there whole wholesome and everything looks good, and then the next thing you know, I can make a million dollars. Oh, my, my time in Congress is, uh, is limited. I'm going to have to do this, so now I'm compromising my values. Well, and I also think 
they people do threaten others. I do think that it gets really ugly. I experienced it in Baltimore. Yes. Twice. Twice. If you don't do this, basically bad things don't happen. Yeah, and that comes. That doesn't only come from the, your own party or from the other party. It comes from your donors. Uh, they're expecting something for in return. So when they donate the money, they want something in return. So how do you s stay above the fray and don't allow yourself to be bought and paid for by whoever? You have to be honest from the beginning and stick to your values from the beginning and let the donor know, this is my values, these are my morals, I will not compromise them. Donate to me or not, these are my values and morals. And I do think that sometimes there's a, a conundrum that we face as leaders, particularly because I've done some leadership roles in various things in government, and I tried to represent my constituency, whatever mm -hmm. that was. So you may have a particular position, but you also may know that your constituents have a different position. How do you deal with that? Uh, you got to go over the numbers over one. Plain and simple. It's not always about me and what my uh, uh, desires are. You got to look at your constituency. Like uh, uh, District 8, very confined little section of Montgomery County, very close knit, and it's confined to a certain theory. But uh, District 6 is very diverse. So now you got to look at what Montgomery County wants and what Garrett County wants. Uh, Garrett County wants. So now you have to come into the middle and try to figure that out and try to help the mass rather than the individual fringes. Well, and at the end of the day, and I keep saying this, we need to be interested in all races across the country because ultimately it's the aggregate vote in Congress that determines our fate. So I want to be interested in what's going on in Om Ilhan Omar's district. That's why I interviewed Lacey Johnson, because he was running against her and he knew about the corruption up there. I mean, allegedly 80,000 votes stuffed harvested, balloted, packaged up, and, you know, and he lost. Um, we know that she, you know, her campaign was involved in some pretty nefarious stuff. Allegedly, right, allegedly, whatever. So I want to play a little bit more of Ziegler, and then I'm going to go to Shapley. Hold on. Avoid an equitable treatment. In early August of 2022, federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice Tax Division drafted a 99-page memorandum. In, in so, they were recommending for approval felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years. That did not happen here, and I am not sure why. And as to the special and, and as the special agent on this case, I thought the felony charges were well supported. When considering the elements of felony tax case, under the criminal code, there are two key considerations, willfulness and tax due and owing. In the criminal context, willfulness is, a, is defined as voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. The tax loss is the monetary loss to the government. In 2020, in early 2020, Hunter Biden Unfile, or Hunter Biden's unfiled and delinquent tax returns were being prepared, which included his 2018 tax return. During the 2020 time period, by Hunter Biden's own account, he was sober, newly married, and writing his memoir. Hunter Biden's accountants requested that he sign a representation letter stating that all the deductions were for business purposes and were being reported appropriately. Statements Hunter Biden made in his book completely contradicted what he was deducting as business deductions on his 2018 return. 
While writing his memoir, Hunter stated, I holed up inside the chateau for the first six weeks and learned how to cook crack. Hunter Biden allegedly falsely claimed business deductions for, chat, for payments made to the Chateau Marmont, a hotel room for his supposed drug dealer, sex club memberships, falsely referenced on the wire as a golf membership, hotels he was blacklisted from, and a Columbia University tuition payment for his adult daughter. All of these items were used to support willfulness, the willfulness element for felony tax evasion, these false deductions claimed by Hunter Biden caused a false return to be prepared that underreported his total income by approximately $267,000 and a loss to the U.S. Treasury of $106,000. Second, with respect to the 2014 tax year, Hunter Biden did not report any of the money he earned from Burisma for the 2014 tax year, which would have, which would have been a tax loss to the government of $124,000. According to my previous testimony, Hunter Biden did not report this income to the IRS or pay tax on the source of income. There is nothing that I see in the public documents as to the Department of Justice's action against Hunter Biden that indicate that Hunter Biden will be required to pay tax on this Burisma income from 2014 or amend his 2014 tax return. Okay. You think they'd let you off the hook for 125 grand ish I don't think so. So I am, you know, there's so much more here. And, and I just think we need to stay on top of this. And again, for us to say, so I think so many Americans are tired. We're tired. We're tired of the nonsense. But here's the thing, guys. We cannot stop fighting. Do you think that our founding fathers were tired? They were exhausted. Some of them gave their lives for this. I'm not suggesting that. I hate the idea. But that we're exhausted by all of it is part of their strategy and tactic. They want to wear you down to the point where you give up. We cannot give up. This is at the core of what's going on in our country. When you have the Department of Justice and the IRS colluding to save an individual's family, individual and family, from being charged with the full force of the law. And it's costing you, the taxpayer, money. And all the while, we're at how many trillions of dollars, Chris? I think it's like $42 trillion now we're at in debt. True. They're bankrupting our country while drug dealers who are family members and frankly it's not just about hunter's drugs it's not just about his shenanigans it's about it was a family enterprise you know if you roll it back to chicago in the 20s it's kind of like that you know we used to call it mafia that's kind of a, a passe term now I think now we call it the deep state. So we're going to we're going to uh, keep going because I think there's so much to cover. And so I'm going to um, give you an opportunity, Chris, to tell people, first of all, where do people find you on the Web and how can they support you as volunteers and donors? Uh, on my website, Chris Heiser for Congress, all one word dot com. 
They can go on there. They can find the volunteer page. They can uh, read my action plan. They can also volunteer. They can donate. Do whatever you want to do on that webpage. Leave me a message. My telephone number is on there. You want to reach out to me personally. It does not go to staff. You call that number, and I will answer it. Okay, so that's Chris, C-H-R-I-S-H-Y-S-E-R. So you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. I'd like to thank our sponsors, U.S. Flag Service. Great quality flags. They will last a long time. They're made in the USA, and it is a veteran-owned and veteran-operated business. So please support usflagservice.com. Also, Sweeties on the Creek, we're scooping now. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Jen. I have with me in studio Chris Heiser, who's running for Congress, who's a law enforcement expert. And I thought it was important to have his perspective on dealing with what's going on here in these congressional hearings. Uh, boy, guys, there's so much. I really encourage you to go to oversight.house.gov slash hearing, or you can search hearing with IRS whistleblowers about the Biden criminal investigation. So they don't say the Hunter IRS investigation. They say the Biden criminal investigation. Now, this is not a... Listen, if this were a Republican, I wouldn't care. The same would be true for me. Dishonest is as dishonest does, as... Our dear friend Forrest Gump would say. Okay, so let me just play a little bit from Mr. Shapley. This is the second whistleblower. And by the way, their their testimonies have been corroborated. Here you go. Tax and Financial Crimes Group. I have worked directly with United States attorneys in multiple districts and have supervised or investigated cases in more than a dozen United States attorneys' offices across the country. I have led, planned, or executed undercover operations or search warrants in more than a dozen countries. I have investigated and managed some of the largest cases in the history of the agency, recovering more than $3.5 billion for the United States taxpayer. In this country, we believe in the rule of law, and that applies to everyone. There should not be a two-track justice system depending on who you are and who you're connected to. Yet, in this case, there was. Based on my experience, I'm here to tell you that the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice handling the Hunter Biden tax investigation was very different from any other case in my 14 years at the IRS. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. For example, prosecutors concealed contents of Hunter Biden's laptop from investigators. DOJ slow walked steps to include interviews, serving document requests, and executing search warrants. Warrants that were ready as early as April of 2020, but were delayed until after the November, November 2020 election and never pursued. Investigators were not allowed to follow up on WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup, where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Assistant United States Attorney Leslie Wolf cited the optics of executing a search warrant at President Biden's residence as a deciding factor for not allowing it, even though she agreed that probable cause existed. Okay, so here it is. They're giving preferential treatment to the Biden family in order to protect President Biden. That is your Department of Justice at work today. This is unacceptable. Write your congressman, write any congressman, reach out to your senators. It's time to stand up for justice and the American way, really. Have a great week.